You're listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Angry, resentful, emotionally labile, manipulative. Does that sound like any of the behavior of your patients or even your staff? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Larry Robbins, Assistant Professor of Neurology at the Rush Medical College and Director of the Robbins Headache Clinic in Northbrook, Illinois. Today we're discussing the management of personality disorders, the diagnosis and treatment for the PCP. And welcome to the show, Dr. Robbins. Well, thank you very much for having me. So tell us, what characteristics define personality disorders, and and how does the primary care doctor spot them? Well, personality disorders, or AXIS-2 in DSM, uh, are a spectrum. There are more serious ones that are dangerous to themselves and their family, and then there are more benign personality disorders. And today we'll talk more about the more serious ones that are more dangerous, but it really is a spectrum. In general, the more dangerous personality disorders, and we're talking generally uh, paranoid, borderline, narcissistic, antisocial, characteristics that help to define them include anger, sense of entitlement, very thin-skinned, grandiosity sometimes, uh, sometimes dichotomous thinking where they can't see the grays. They see people as all good, all bad, black and white. Is this true for all the ones that you mentioned? No, but uh, certainly borderline and paranoid. And many patients don't fit neatly into one category. And in fact, we're talking about DSM-4, which is the current psychiatric uh, categorization. But DSM-5, which will come in a few years, I think they're going to change how they look at personality disorders, really less categorical. So a lot of people cross over and have a little bit of this and, and some of that. Also, we look at narcissism, uh, abandonment fears, boundary issues, the patient who barges into the clinic and demands to talk and calls the doc by the first name, and I'm here to talk to Jim with anger. The uh, characteristics of each personality disorder define that personality disorder, but generally most of them do have the anger and sense of entitlement and general lack of insight. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that maybe it's not as important for the primary care doctor to identify one from the other as long as he knows he's dealing with a patient or staff member that has some of these traits? Absolutely. Whether somebody says, well, he's a narcissistic or she's a borderline, I think recognizing access to personality disorder traits in staff members and family members, but in patients is crucial because those are the patients, I think, that 95% of legal problems and Department of Regulation calls, et cetera, are from the personality disorders and recognize them, treating them appropriately, limiting them, whatever we call, whether we neatly fit somebody into borderline or paranoid, et cetera. How prevalent are they in the general population? It's an interesting question. How prevalent is personality disorders. There was recently a uh, study, I believe, out of Finland where they looked at all the men and assessed them for personality disorders and came up with 12 or 13 percent of the men. Now, some of those are personality disorders that are not really dangerous to other people, like avoidant personality disorders, sometimes dependent. But if we look at the general population, it is different. Most personality disorder studies are out of mental health clinics, where, of course, you're going to have a much higher Rate, But in general, most of the personality disorders are seen in 0.5% to 1% of people. And I recently finished a study of 1,000 headache patients, and about 5% have a moderate to severe personality disorder. So they're there and very often unrecognized 
because we don't generally have programs for personality disorders. We don't have drugs. We don't have the company sponsoring programs, etc. So we don't talk about them as much as we should. Are any of them um, amenable to being treated with medication? Does it help at all? I think that the medicines can help. Most, most of the personality disorders have access one anxiety, depression characteristics. So the medicines can certainly help the anxiety and depression. We're talking mostly about antidepressants and mood stabilizers, such as the mood stabilizers, particularly Lamictal, which is very commonly used for bipolar depression, I believe can help some aspects of some of the access one in the personality disorders. But the medicines are limited. They'll help those aspects. Sometimes they help quite a bit, but uh, they don't really get at the thinking, the altered thinking, and the real problems. But they can help. Sometimes they can modify the anger and this and that in conjunction with therapy and other things. I was going to mention therapy. Can, can alternate treatments help, or are the patients resistant because they don't think they really have a problem? Well, I think that patients often don't see the problem and won't go, but some will. And we don't want to go it alone. I think it does take a village to raise a personality disorder. I don't think the doctors should go it alone. Uh, they should try to get therapists involved, but many therapists don't want to see personality disorders and aren't very good with them. Uh, I think they have to have training and be willing to take a different approach. Insight-oriented therapy, regular cognitive behavioral sitting down talking about things therapy doesn't always work with personality disorders. In fact, sometimes it's counterproductive. Sometimes we take more, particularly with borderline patients, what's called a dialectical approach, and dialectical therapy has been very popular. It's a little more behavioral. And these folks have so often been told that what they're thinking is wrong that with a dialectical approach, we don't hit them over the head with it and say, no, you're wrong and this is wrong. We just go with it unless it's dangerous to them, and we don't constantly confront them. But it does take a different approach. Some therapists don't call their personality disorder patients patients. They call them more their clients because they manage them from point A to point B it's really long-term management of these folks, trying to get them to be less impulsive, working on the anger. And some of the personality disorder patients, uh, unlike what we traditionally have read, do have some insight and can be worked with. But the approach really is different. Tell us more about borderline personalities. They can be pretty disruptive, can't they? How do you approach them or handle them? Well, I think in a medical clinic, one thing is setting limits. We can't put up with abuse from borderlines or from other personality disorders, and we have to be willing. Clinics often don't dismiss patients as much as they should. So if you look in the waiting room and there's two or three patients out there all the time or every day that everybody just dreads and it's a nightmare or they leave your office and you are just wrung out, you have to seriously consider should you consider the, continue the relationship with that patient And I think that some of the severe patients are much more dangerous to doctors than they were 20 years ago. We have always the threats of violence, but the Department of Regulations and legal hassles. So I think that we have to consider, uh, is it worthwhile continuing? So we do need to set limits very much, sometimes do educational, psychoeducational sessions with a good therapist, and the families sometimes work pretty well. But borderlines in particular, they have their instability of mood. They have a very poor self-image. They have abandonment fears. They have an identity disturbance, but they feel terrible all day. They're up and down. They'll feel okay. They'll feel a little high or racy. Then they'll feel depressed. Uh, I think of it as the chronic pain of mental health because they really are in chronic pain. And you understand 
why when they get into their late 20s and their 30s, why they become suicidal. Uh, often their friends and family have somewhat abandoned them. They're sick of it all. They're really alone in their apartment. They can't keep a job, and everything falls apart. So uh, the borderlines are, are relatively common, at least 1% of the population minimum. They tend to be very impulsive, uh, impulsive shopping and spending. They hurt themselves impulsively as opposed to certain personality disorders, antisocials who will hurt others with violence. The borderlines usually just go out and shop themselves into oblivion and end up in so much debt that it increases everything. They're very anxious, they're very irritable, and they have this malignant loneliness inside. They're so lonely, and it's tough, and that's why they attach to people and attach to therapists. They do see things dichotomously where they can't see the grays. Uh, you're either all great or all bad, so if they come in and Doctor, doctor, you at the end of the first session, you are the greatest. I, you know, watch out because the other shoe is going to uh, drop pretty quickly. And uh, they split, which is a little different than the dichotomous thinking. Yeah, explain about splitting for us, please. Usually, splitting is a reaction to some stress or anxiety, and people will go from really loving somebody or loving their spouse or their kid or their doctor to hating them, and it's all black. And when they turn to hating them, the whole, they blame that person for everything. If the sun doesn't rise, it's their husband's fault. And once you're split on by a borderline, it, it's not a pretty thing. It's very difficult when you get in their sights, and the legal system is full of people like this, and they're going after. Very many personality disorders see themselves as victims or persecutors. They come in as victims, and then they turn around and become persecutors. And you see this in, in the media a lot. You see this in uh, in people who've committed violence, but also the legal system. And once they decide they have to set the world right and persecute somebody, if you're in their sights, it's terrible, particularly as a healthcare person. I think we've all seen some patients that fall into that category for sure. What about narcissism, which some medical professionals have actually, but how do you, how do you manage that? There's a narcissistic personality disorder, which we see sometimes these folks end up being very successful as bosses. And if you're underneath it can really ruin your life if you're married to a severe personality disorder or if your boss is one. And uh, the narcissistic personality disorders, they tend to be uh, very thin-skinned, grandiose. Uh, they don't have any empathy. They feel very self-important. But the self sense of entitlement, sometimes you see this the first visit in a medical clinic. The person who's demanding, they're up at the front office demanding this, demanding that. And in our office, we just tell them, find another office. And we try not to get enmeshed with severe personality disorders in the first place. So sometimes we dismiss them during the first visit if it's very severe. But the narcissists tend to be arrogant, exploitative, very jealous, and, and envious. And it's very difficult. There's not a lot of insight there usually. Sometimes they do okay in therapy, but there's no real easy way to manage them other than setting limits in your office. Have you ever been scared or threatened by a patient with a, a personality disorder in your practice? Can you give us any stories? A couple times. One of the few paranoid personality disorders I had, I treated him for six years. Nothing changed, and all of a sudden, one day, he decided that Dr. Robbins was the reason why everything was wrong in the world, and he was going to get me legally, Department of Regulation, etc., and uh, nothing actually came about it, but there were threats, and it really uh, got me thinking, what is going on in these people's brains where they can turn where you're the greatest and all of a sudden you're the absolute worst? There are patients who get delusional 
uh, and uh, will kill their doctors or their lawyer or accountant. Virtually every spree killer that they've analyzed psychiatrically is a paranoid personality disorder. So I guess the the take-home pearl for the primary care provider is to identify these patients early and then deal with them if you can handle them and dismiss them if you can't or refer them out. Would you add anything to that? I think it comes under life is too short. Uh, and we do, don't want to end up with a clinic full of personality disorders or more than your share. I want to thank Dr. Larry Robbins, who's been our guest today, and we've been discussing diagnosis and treatment of personality disorders. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.